You're listening to the Hello Awesome Podcast, and this is episode number 19. Guys, you are not ready for this real conversation that's about to go down right now between me and Janessa Lynn Easter, aka Phoenix, as she's known on YouTube and Instagram. Janessa Lynn has a heart for bringing forth godly content on social media, and you may know her from Instagram Live, where she does a weekly stream with her brother, Aviel, and they tackle all sorts of advice from relationships to staying true to the word of God, to keeping faith in difficult situations. They are building a great community on there. Aviel is the face behind Yappa 238 and is also Janessa Lynn's brother. In this episode, you will hear us share our different backgrounds and how our testimonies are different, but that doesn't mean that God can't use us. We will also talk about boundaries in relationships for both dating and friendships. It is such an amazing conversation. I really had a great time talking with her. I could probably talk to her for hours. It was so just comfortable and the wisdom that she shares, it really blessed my heart. Let's just get right to it. This is episode number 19, Boundaries in Relationships with Janessa Lynn Easter. You're listening to the Hello Awesome Podcast. I'm JC, and this is the place where we get real, sharing truthful insights that will encourage us to make intentional choices in both life and business. I want to start conversations that not many young Christians today are having. Will you join me? This podcast is brought to you by my new book, The Glitter Effect. Have you ever spilled glitter? It's almost impossible to get every speck back into the bottle. This is exactly how our influence is with the people around us. What we say and do matters, especially if we are to reflect Christ. Are you ready to leave behind a legacy that shines for Him? Then grab your copy today on Amazon by searching for The Glitter Effect or head to the show notes for a direct link. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Hello Awesome podcast. I am so excited today because I have a special guest with me. Her name is Janessa Lynn Easter, and I met her through Instagram, but she's also on YouTube. You might have seen her around. Usually she does live uh, videos, live sessions with her brother, Aviel, on Instagram. And so, Janessa Lynn, thank you so much for taking the time to be here with me today. And I wanted you to just take some time to introduce yourself, who you are, and where people might know you from. Hi, thank you so much for having me, JC. I'm very excited and honored to be here. Hello, everyone. My name is Janesslyn Easter, aka Phoenix. And if you have heard of me, like JC has said, um, you've probably seen me on YouTube. I have a YouTube channel named Phoenix where I post videos talking about God, absolute content, and things that I feel God put on my heart to share with young people and the rest of the world. So I record those videos, upload them on my channel. I also have an Instagram account called I Am Phoenix Rising, where I host weekly lives with my brother, Aviel, also known as Yappa 238. So the lives are pretty much a place for us as apostolics to come together once a week and fellowship with one another. 
iron sharpening iron, where we talk about God, talk about any struggles that young people face living for God in today's society. We encourage each other, have prayer requests, praise reports. It's really, it's like a small group of just people who love God and want to have a deeper relationship with God, who also want to support one another and encourage one another. And it's, it's a really beautiful community and I'm so blessed to be able to be a part of it. I love that so much and I've jumped on those lives many times and it's just so encouraging just the community that is there and it's awesome to see like-minded people of the same faith just come together and um, mm-hmm. just share what God is doing. Yes, I, I'm very blessed and, and very thankful for it. Now, we've become Insta friends a while back when we came across each other's pages. And I think we Mm -hmm. really appreciated the content that the other one was creating. And so I wanted to know, can you share with me how you got started sharing your faith on social media and what that looks like for you now? Yes, I remember when we first started messaging each other and I saw your content and I was really impressed. Um, What you're doing is amazing. I just want you to know that. So for me, how I started sharing what I believe on social media, it's really started with me already having a burden for people, especially young people. I've been involved in Sunday school, bus ministry, missions work, and was even youth staff. And even before that, just really reaching out to my peers and being what I felt was a good friend to people. And on top of that, I'm also really into like creative things, making videos. Um, I had some friends who would do vlogs and somehow or another, I always ended up kind of hijacking the vlog for a few moments. And after a while, people started coming to me saying, hey, how about you start a vlog? You should start a vlog. And I thought about it and I was like, you know, that sounds like a really cool idea. Why not? I, I enjoy creating things and I make videos for my friends anyways. I might as well share it with the world. Well, before I dove into starting a YouTube channel, though, I tell my parents everything and I talk to my parents about it. And my dad brought up a concern that if I do this, I have to keep the main thing, the main thing. And mm-hmm. what is the main thing? God and his kingdom, mm-hmm. especially on a platform like YouTube and what it was becoming. It was around like 2015 that I really started thinking about starting a channel. Um, And even now, YouTube has become a platform for people to blow up socially. There are now YouTube celebrities. So many people on YouTube now are wanting to become something, wanting to get fame, wanting to be that influencer. And with that, there are many traps in starting a YouTube channel. My dad was sharing with me and, you know, he's, he's the one that God placed in my life to train me up. And so I listened to him. I really heeded his words. And as we were talking, I, I understood the concern because I didn't want something that started out as a hobby to potentially sabotage my faith in the future, whether it's through networks wanting to sign me on in the future if my channel ever grew that much and requiring me to make certain compromises that seem like they're not such big compromises in the moment. But then just like with any compromise, you compromise a step, you compromise a foot, then a yard, and sooner or later, you find yourself way off course of from where you started. Mm -hmm. And so I prayed about it. I really prayed about starting a channel. 
And in praying about it, God began to further reveal the direction and different avenues that he wanted to take me down to fulfill his all my life. So I decided that if I was going to do this channel, I was going to do it right. And so the very first video that I uploaded, I decided would be something that grounded me in what was the main thing, which is God in his kingdom and also served as some form of accountability to myself. And I filmed my very first video for YouTube called I Am Apostolic. And I wanted to do this so my first foray into the YouTube world would be boldly telling anyone who came across my channel, hey, look, I am apostolic. First and foremost, I am apostolic. Before I'm a YouTuber, before I'm a creator, I am apostolic. So it really was my desire to be right and to ground myself in what was right that laid the foundation of what my channel would be. Yeah, that's so awesome. And I love that you mentioned you know, going to your parents and, you know, you actually heeding the advice of your father. And I wanted to know, is that where you kind of get your strong faith from? Yes, I am so blessed to have my parents. I'm so blessed to have my father, such a strong leader in my life. And if you've been on our live streams or even some of my videos, you you guys probably know that Basil and I, we tend to do our best to keep things straight up and blunt while still being respectful and loving and coming from a heart of love. Mm-hmm. Um, but we learned that from our dad because our dad, he tries not to sugarcoat everything while still being loving just so that we know the truth of things. And so we're actually really living for God. And thankfully, my dad had his pastor instilled strong core beliefs and principles and accountability in him when he first got into church. And my dad has passed that down to Abel and I. And so we grew up with really strong understandings and, and beliefs in truth. And also our own accountability, how we have to hold ourselves accountable, how it's up to us to live for God. And that has played a huge part in me still being saved today and in who I am as an individual today. That's so awesome. I really like hearing that because it's very encouraging to all parents out there. So, uh, yeah, going back to the lives, one of the things that keeps coming up um, every time I pop on is how you guys kind of get talking about relationships a lot, which I think is awesome, Mm -hmm. (laughs) especially among young people. Mm -hmm. And so there's a lot of wisdom there that you guys bring to the table, and I appreciate that. And I wanted to know if you can share with me why you believe in healthy boundaries among Christians dating in the church today. Yeah, we talk about relationships a lot. The subject just comes up. A lot of young people are interested in, you know, discussing their concerns, Mm -hmm. um, asking questions. And so we really do our best, also sharing experiences too. And so we really do our best to serve the audience. And one of the main things that comes up when we do talk about relationships are the different kinds of boundaries when you're dating someone. And I am a strong believer in boundaries because without boundaries, there's no protection. And the thing is, is that we are human beings And God created us human beings with hormones. Now, it's natural. Yes. At the same time, it is up to us to subject and submit those hormones to the word of God. 
And that manifests itself as boundaries. When Mm -hmm. we submit ourselves to God, we're erecting boundaries in our life that will protect us from falling into sin. And I think about it this way. So if you are standing on a cliffside and there's no railing there to protect you, if you are messing around on that cliffside and and keep pushing yourself towards the edge, sooner or later you are going to plunge over and you're going to find yourself falling to your death and that death being sin. And you don't, especially in relationships, you do not want to taint that relationship or your life with that kind of sin. And sin in physical sin in relationships that comes about when people don't have boundaries in their life will leave you with so much baggage in your relationships and relationships in the future. And it's just, it's just a, not a good thing to be messing around with. So mm-hmm. that, that's why I strongly believe in boundaries and, and really submitting yourself to God. But if you have a right heart, because it's all about intention, if someone has a right heart, they wouldn't have any problems abiding by the word of God and respecting those boundaries. Absolutely. I do agree with that. And um, one of the things that I know when I was coming into the church is, you know, being from a worldly relationship and then being in a relationship in the church and um, just learning the different culture that's in the church. One of my burdens has always been since then is just seeing how I think some of the younger generations, they really don't understand that boundaries is meant to protect them and that Mm -hmm. it seems like they're free out there, but they're not. And I can attest to that because I was out there and I'm not trying to be a martyr or anything, but it's one Mm -hmm. of those things (laughs) that, you know, it just really burdens me. And there's a reason why this subject keeps coming up over and over again in different youth yeah. groups and different settings. It's because it's real life. Like this is this is what's going to happen if you do not put God first and put some boundaries. Mm-hmm. Definitely agree. And the thing is, is that you may say, oh, I'm not going to plunge over the edge. I'm not going to go that far. But when you're constantly pushing those boundaries, sooner or later, you're going to find yourself way off course. And you're going to find yourself doing and and falling prey to things that you said you wouldn't fall prey to. And especially since we're human, and and there's so much sin in the world, and in today's society, more than before, sin is being pushed as the so-called right thing to do. Mm -hmm. Oh, well, you love the person. It's your choice. Your body, you do what you want. You love them, this and this and this and that. And it's like, whoa, 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 whoa. There is a reason why you do things the right way. There's a reason why you have those boundaries because you you take those couple steps forward, the next thing you know, you're going to be tempted to take two yards forward. And sooner or later, you you will fall prey if you don't get yourself back on track. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, it's exactly what the Bible says. You know, we start looking at evil as it's like it's good and we start looking at good things like it's evil. And then we start looking at the people who are actually trying to help us and we start actually convincing ourselves that they're the enemy, you know, and that they're trying to keep us from like living our life and being free and, you know, all of this. So I wanted to know, like, do you think we aren't talking enough about the real hard stuff in the church today with like our young people? There are 
preachers, uh, youth workers, and and teachers who do tackle the hard stuff, who are very blunt and, and straightforward. And, and I love that type of preaching because for me, I'm like, tell me what's up. Like, tell yes. me the truth. I, I need to know. But this is just my opinion. I'm not saying that it's fact or not. Just based off of my experience and observations, I do feel like there's some hard stuff that's more acceptable to talk about that people will touch. But there are other things that seem to be taboo or that aren't PC, Pentecostally correct, that I don't think as a whole the church really addresses. That's not necessarily fornication issues, but that included other as well. And unfortunately, I've see, I've witnessed young people backsliding because they weren't necessarily told all the facts of what can actually take place in church and how to combat that. There are people who have betrayed people, and and you think, oh, this should not be. This this isn't right. And because it's not talked about, you have saints, especially young people, feeling like they've been lied to in a certain area all their life, and and they lose out with God because they weren't taught how to really cope with that. I'm not, I'm not blaming anyone because in the end, it's your decision whether or not to live for God. So the mm-hmm. responsibility is still on the individual. I just do believe that there are some topics that are very hard that aren't talked about that because they're not talked about, people don't really know that that stuff actually happens a lot and are equipped to fight through it with God. Yeah, I definitely can see that. And that's kind of where my mind is. And that's why I wanted to ask that question, mm-hmm. again, though, that you were brought up in the church and I wasn't. So I thought this would be a good mm-hmm. topic to talk about. And one of the things that I keep seeing is some almost fear tactics, like scare tactics. And I think you know, maybe the church feels like they're losing a lot of young people, so we got to scare them, you know, uh, and keep them here. Um, and I, I, I can't fault them for that because as a parent, that's what we kind of do sometimes. And so sometimes the mm-hmm. church plays that role yeah. of I'm losing control, so I got to kind of gain it back by using whatever I can, you know, whatever method. But I'm just thinking with this new generation and the new technology that we have at our fingertips, if you want to know something, you can know it in like two minutes. And if we don't open up conversations, and I'm not suggesting being vulgar or being disrespectful, but Mm -hmm. I think we really need to start thinking about it in more of a counselor type situation saying, hey, Mm Let's just sit down and discuss this and let's just talk about what's really going on. So not so much of the Bible beating because that Mm -hmm. happens a lot as well. And I know the scripture, you know, is important, but Mm -hmm. with such a fast paced world and all our emotions sometimes are crazy, especially at that young age. I think it's so important that we need some people that are willing to do that one-on-one FaceTime or even the group FaceTime and saying, let's slow this down and really talk about some hard stuff right now. Yes. Oh, yes. I agree. The thing is, I believe that relationship will trump, I guess you can say, any scare tactic or Bible beating that someone would think to do. Honestly, when you have a relationship with someone, 
you can get through to them. Now, there is a fear of God that everyone needs to have and proper kind of fear of God, the reverence for the things of God and making sure that you're being reverent to sacred things and holy things. What I'm talking about is using relationship as the driving factor to teach someone and to have relationship. People need to trust you. And one of the best ways people can trust you is if you're straight up with them. And I think that if people would be more honest about their own struggles and not try to cover up their own struggles and just be like, hey, Mm. I'm human. I make mistakes too. I actually struggle with the same things that you do. And this is how I overcome. I'm not always perfect. And it's also on the flip side, the person being counseled shouldn't hold that against the person counseling them, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Um, Everyone has to understand that everyone is human. And if we can just be straight up about the fact that we're human and we talk about our struggles and with the intent of really helping each other overcome I think it would benefit everyone in the long run. And let's talk about the hard stuff, explain why we set the boundaries, and do it all from a heart of love. Because before God pours out judgment, he pours out grace and mercy driven from love. And if we're supposed to have a heart after God and be Christ-like, then we need to be operating through love. And so, yes, we condemn sin without condemning the young person because there is no condemnation in Christ. Absolutely. And I totally agree. And I love that you just brought that up because there is a genuine fear of God that we should have. And it's not the fear mm-hmm. that people think of like, oh, you're scared because you're scared that he's yeah. going to do something to you. It's like, no, I respect him and I have reverence for him. And I am in awe of his goodness and his grace and his greatness that I am going to do what he tells me to do because there is no other way that's better for me. And I think... Yeah. What you were saying about being love and just pouring out that grace and mercy, I think that is the key to making young people feel more open to maybe going to somebody in the church if they're struggling, because there is going to be that fear of they're going to judge me, they're going to look at me different. And I think, you know, not everybody's like that, but there is, and I've seen this in some of the elders, and I'm not trying to talk against their elders, God bless them. But I think there is this like distaste and almost this unkind attitude sometimes in the church towards the younger people and like, you know, the backbiting towards younger people. And I think what we don't understand is it's just like parents and I am a parent, so I can say this, but Mm -hmm. when we are constantly saying negative things about our child and our child hears it, they start believing that negative thing. Um, Or if they make a mistake and we're constantly like picking out all the mistakes they're thinking, well, I might as well keep doing it because I'm no good. I can't, I can't get away from this. This is just me. And I think I might be seeing some of that in the church today. The thing is backbiting, unfortunately, it goes on in humanity, but also in the church. And so we're supposed to strive to be as Christ-like as we can, but we do fall short. And acknowledging that we fall short isn't wrong. We just need to correct certain things. And we can't be tearing down our brothers and sisters in the Lord. We cannot have a holier-than-thou mentality because that's self-righteousness, and self-righteousness is as filthy rags. And I think that if we're just loving towards one another, like truly, genuinely loving to each other, like how God loves us, it would solve so many issues. 
I know how imperfect I am. So in my mind, I'm thinking, who am I to condemn someone else when I'm just as bad in my own way Mm. of being imperfect and missing the mark? And God, in all of his perfection, never condemns me. The thing is, is that you don't have to experience being backslidden in order to know that's not where you want to be, that there's nothing in the world and that it's empty because you have it right in the word of God. You can be raised in church all your life, read the word of God and know that the church and God is where it's at. You don't have to be the prodigal son and have fun in the world a little bit just so you can see what people in the church are saying you're not missing. You know, of course, God wants you to come back no matter what, but you don't even have to come back in the sense you don't even have to leave. It's really good, though, that there's people like you and and others who did come to God who are being open and being vulnerable and sharing their testimonies because it just reaffirms the Word of God. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. And actually, I have a story that kind of goes along with what you were saying because um, I'm very close with one of our elders in the district and she's been through mm-hmm. a lot and she's been in this thing forever. You know, those elders that you're like, oh my goodness, you've been here like a very long time, not to be disrespectful, mm-hmm. but you've been here a while. Yeah. And <laughs> yeah. She shares with me a lot of different things, but what she was saying mm-hmm. is she does a lot of speaking engagements and she's very anointed in the word and she had a young girl come up to her who was brought up in the church and said that she wished that she had the same testimony or something similar because then she could be used for God greater and it was so much sorrow came across my friend because she said you don't know what you're asking for you've been kept from those things I still have memories And that's what I don't think a lot of the young people understand is you don't have to have, like you said, a prodigal son testimony to be used. Your testimony Mm -hmm. is that you did not have to experience that because you were covered. And Mm -hmm. God is keeping you out of that because he's trying to purify you. He's trying to protect you and Mm -hmm. he's trying to project you further. And her testimony, while it is being used now, she had to go through some stuff to get to where she is now. Her anointing didn't just happen. You know, overnight Mm -hmm. there was crushing, there was tears. And that's what I don't think they realize. And it's no fault of their own. It's just they don't have that experience. But I know too is when you have a really deep testimony like that, you have some crying to do. You have some laying down to do. You have a lot of stuff and it takes time, but you still are left with some of the memories. You might be forgiven, but those memories still stay. And so that's what I think is kind of the thought process we should be telling the young people today. Yes, I agree. You can kind of look at it like Paul and Peter. They both had the call of God on their lives. They both were powerfully used in the New Testament and have lasting impact on truth as it is today in in the Christian world. Mm -hmm. But Peter never crucified Christians while Paul did. Mm -hmm. But you don't have to be a Paul in order to have 
an amazing testimony and a powerful ministry. And you don't have to be a Peter. One of the many multitude of beauties of God is that he takes any background and if the person allows him to and, and submits themselves to him, will turn it around into a powerful testimony. There are mighty men of God, some who were raised in church and some who aren't, but it doesn't decrease the anointing that they have. It doesn't yeah. decrease the call of God on their life. So I, I think that's wonderful that you brought that up and that you share that because I think a lot of young people feel that way. And on both spectrums, you have young people who came into church who feel unworthy because they don't have the testimony of being raised in church. And then you have some young people who are raised in church who feel unworthy because they didn't have this coming to God experience. But they do, they have that in their own way because we all are born into sin. But, you know, sometimes we romanticize the idea of being saved and think that, oh, well, since I don't have that great of a testimony, quote unquote, then I'm not as anointed. Mm-hmm. And, and that goes on both sides, people who come in the church and, and who are raised in church. I love the fact that, you know, us coming from different backgrounds, we're able to talk about this and really dive into it and discuss it. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up, too, about the correlation there. And I like that you Mm -hmm. use the word romanticize because I think that's exactly Mm -hmm. what happens. And this is my personal opinion, and you can tell me after if you agree, but sometimes Mm -hmm. I think that the rise of technology has almost made us romanticize about people's online personalities and what their story is and, you know, just kind of that whole, your image and and what that looks like, you know, like everybody's a brand. And um, as somebody who actually has a brand... (laughs) Mm-hmm. It can be difficult if we don't have God at the center of that. And so I wanted to know, you know, do you think that we are having a harder time seeing people in a real way because we're just consumed with that? I personally believe so. The thing is, social media is, in my opinion, now you don't have to agree, but I just see it this way, is an alternative version of Hollywood. And the same way based off of my observations, that society romanticizes celebrities and looks to them as having the perfect lifestyle, money, fame, clout, and power. It's now being applied to everyday people who are becoming social media celebrities. And we see people on social media, which oftentimes is either completely fake or you're just seeing the highlights of their life. Which, is, which isn't a bad thing. But at the same time, in having those highlights of our lives, it does affect the way that we view the individuals that we're following yeah. or that we come across on social media. Because you see them as having this perfect life, especially with the use of editing tools. Mm-hmm. Um, you see them as being perfect, as, as being gorgeous. And you see people who you think are so much prettier, or so much more handsome than you are, who has a better body than you do, who has nicer teeth than you do, has prettier eyes, all these different things that are just wreaking havoc on not only our perception of other people, but our perception of ourselves. And social media, there's many pros. At the same time, there are many, many cons. And the way to survive social media is knowing if one, if you're able to handle it, two, how to handle it, and three, you have to have 
a right heart with God, and you have to know who you are in God. And unfortunately, I do believe that we also tend to judge people's values, not just our values, but other people's values based off of their social media presence, their followings and their Mm -hmm. engagement, whether or not they have a lot of followers, whether or not they have a lot of likes. And it's sad, unfortunately. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. And I think that's one of the biggest things I've been talking about on this podcast a couple of times it's come up mm-hmm. about social media is how it really mm-hmm. is about your heart and how you use it because it's ultimately a tool. And so if you are yeah. not prepared to handle the tool in the way God wants it to be used, yes, you will fall victim to certain things because you're just not protected. You don't have those boundaries, going back to that again. And also I think too, It's easy to look at people having a lot of followers and think, oh, they must have a lot of friends and make it feel like, oh, you know, poor me, blah, blah, blah. You could have this Mm -hmm. negative narrative in your mind. And I think it really has to do with you have to just remember it's an app. It's a tool. And Mm -hmm. we have to put more value on real life. Yes, definitely agree. Because. Social media is almost like this wonderland of all sorts of different stuff um, and things can get very hazy. You don't really know what's reality and what's not. Mm-hmm. And you start thinking that certain things are real when they actually aren't. And like you said, you see someone who has a lot of followers and think, oh, they must be so loved and so popular. They must be so happy that they're so accepted and then they have lots of friends. You would think that the more followers you have, the more likes that you get, the more confidence you would have. Mm-hmm. From my experience, that's actually not the case. If anything, the opposite happens. Yeah, we were just talking about kind of friendships and just because you have a lot of followers doesn't mean you have a lot of friends. But I wanted to talk about that because when we were talking about boundaries and relationships, Mm -hmm. I was thinking, you know, we really need that for our friendships too. And Mm -hmm. um, in my new book, The Glitter Effect, I have a chapter Mm -hmm. that talks about friendships and how good friends will honor your spiritual convictions. And I wanted Mm -hmm. to hear what you thought about that if you agree that you know, sometimes we do not so bright things just to have friends. And why do you think we do that? Of course, people do some very unbright things to (laughs) have friends. And Mm -hmm. I believe it's driven by the need to feel accepted, the need to feel wanted, and to feel loved, and to feel needed. We're human beings where we were created for relationship with God and also with our brethren and sister and to, you know, the, the church. Mm-hmm. I mean, even back when human beings were first created, when Adam was in the garden, God saw that he was alone and said it wasn't good. And so he created Eve for Adam. So it's in our makeup to need someone else, you know, to have relationship with other humans in our lives. And so when you feel like there's a lack of that, if you're not grounded in God, because in the end, the ultimate relationship that matters is our relationship with God. If you're not grounded in him and secured in him, you're going to feel like you need to compensate. And unfortunately, a lot of times people feel like the compensation is friends, is relationships, and even even romantic relationships. People find themselves being driven to doing, as you said, not so bright things in order to fill that emptiness that God is supposed to be filling. 
Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think that's also why a lot of people in the church, all different ages, but especially, you know, the younger generation, because that's what we're kind of looking at right now. And I think that's why a lot of the younger generations are feeling pulled to having more friends outside of the church, maybe, um, which is not a bad thing. I think it could work, Mm -hmm. but I think no matter what, if you have a friend, if they're inside the church or outside the church, they should respect your spiritual convictions because I've seen many people who claim, you know, they have friends inside the church and that friend was not good for them spiritually, even though they Mm -hmm. quote unquote were in the church. However, I've had personally some of my best friends be unsaved because they didn't ask me to go places because they knew I wouldn't go. They didn't make fun of me. They had respect for me and they Mm. listened with genuine hearts. And I think that's so important. So I really want to talk about, because I think there's this stamina that we're like, Mm -hmm. oh no, you can't be friends with them out there. They'll pull you out. And while I do think Mm -hmm. we careful, I do think we need to take it as an individual basis, depending on the person Mm -hmm. and depending on the situation. Don't you agree? Yes, I agree. I believe you can have friends outside of the church and still be safe. You have to be careful. And it it, it Mm -hmm. depends on their heart and it depends on your heart. Because who's doing the influencing? If they're being a bad influence on you, regardless of if they're in church or out of church, you you have to cut them off. You know, Mm -hmm. you, you have to do what it takes for you to be saved. Now, I've had friends who from school, college, who I was the one being the influence on them. And I loved them. And I invited them to church and and they were open. They didn't necessarily get saved, but you never know what seeds were planted that God will reap later on down the road. Now, it's one of those things where it really is a heart issue. That doesn't mean you just go out there and like make all the worldly friends that you can because it wears your heart, obviously. I think it's with any individual, any person, if they're being a bad influence on you, then you don't need them as a friend. But I do believe that um, you can have friends who aren't saved, but as long as they are respectful and they're not causing you to sin and they're not being a stumbling block to you, then it's fine. That's how I personally see it. Now, like you said, it is an individual basis. You you have to use wisdom. And the person could be a good person, but maybe you're just not in the right place. I have seen situations where it's the church friend who's being more of a negative influence than the worldly friend is mm-hmm. on each other. You know, so it, it really is one of those those things where you need to just make sure your heart's right. And in the end, God is priority. Yeah, I definitely, mm-hmm. I definitely agree with what you said. And I love that you shared that right now because I think we need to hear more mm-hmm. about that. And like you said, yeah. like we're, we're not saying just go run out and make friends with everybody in your high school. <laughs> yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, don't need, go to the extreme. Right. You need discernment. You need wisdom. And also, mm-hmm. you know, if you have godly authority over you, you're, you know, your parents are living for God, you have a youth pastor, you have a regular pastor, Mm -hmm. you know, or you have a godly friend who's maybe older than you, and they look out for you. Mm -hmm. And they share something with you, you should take that to heart, at least think about it and pray on it. Because to you, it may seem like a big deal, um, giving up a friend, but to God, it's Mm -hmm. actually bigger, because it could be your soul. Oh, yes, that Mm -hmm. is so true. 
I would love for you to take a couple of minutes to to mm-hmm. share something with someone. Like if there's somebody listening out there who may not have a lot of friends, maybe they're feeling really lonely and they're not sure if they can trust anybody and they're really struggling because they don't want to be alone. So they're feeling almost that pull to make friendships that they know are probably not good for them. What would you say to that person? I would say that you are not alone, one. And that sounds very cliche, but it's true. I've been there multiple times. It's not just a one-time thing. There will be many seasons in life where you may feel very alone and you thought you had friends and it turns out they're not the kind of friends that you thought would stick around. Um, There's so many young, old, middle-aged people who feel alone, who feel like they don't have friends, who are in the church. And that's not a knock to you or who you are or your value. It may very well just be a season in life where God is trying to have you for himself, where it's your time to build a relationship with him as opposed to depending on relationships with other people. He wants to build relationship with you so that you're being grounded in him, the firm foundation, so that when the storms of life come and when people come and people go, friends come and friends go, family members come and they go, your relationship with him will be so grounded that it won't cause you to waver. Mm. And so God does not want you to build your house on the sand. He wants you to build your house on him. There are seasons in life where God will remove distractions from your life. And sometimes that can be in the form of friends so that you can turn to him and really focus on building your relationship with him. And you just have to trust God through that season. And instead of of dwelling on that feeling of loneliness, turn to God, because that is the opportunity for you to commune with him and to deepen your relationship with him. Yeah, that was so good. I, I probably am able to talk so passionately about that subject because I, I've experienced that many times in different seasons in my life where I did feel alone. There was a time where I actually prayed to God when I was a teenager, like, God, can you send me friends, please? And, and it wasn't because I wasn't a friendly person. Uh, I'm actually really outgoing. I make friends or at least buddies easily. It's just there was a season where I was like, what in the world is going on? I, I would befriend people and, you know, put myself into, you know, encouraging them, strengthening them in the Lord and stuff. And then the next thing you know, someone from the popular group paid them attention and they're like, this is, <laughs> and that's happened so many times. And, you know, it is lonely. And thankfully, I had a father who recognized God's hand in that. And he's the one who told me that use this time to draw close to God. And I did. And now it's like, as long as I have God, I'm good. Yeah, no, I agree. And actually, when I first came into the church, it was scary being alone because I was coming out of a relationship and going into my own apartment by myself, living alone. And we, a lot of people don't like that. They don't want to be alone because when they're alone, they feel worse about themselves. They're hard on themselves. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of self-deprecation that goes on, you know, and negative narratives. And I never had those kind of things happening. My mother was super positive. My dad was an amazing person, is an amazing person. Mm -hmm. There was a lot of 
positivity around me. Not everything was fantastic, but my mom encouraged me, you know, you can put anything you put your mind to. And so so I never was like scared to be alone because of like dark thoughts or anything like that. But it was almost Mm -hmm. like a realization, like when you're alone, that's when things get real. Nobody's there to guide you in this relationship. And it is scary to be vulnerable because you don't know how close you're going to get to God. And sometimes that can be a scary thing. And I think sometimes we feel like we either don't deserve it or we're just scared Mm. how far we're going to go. And it's almost that lack of control. And I think sometimes we're scared of not having control. Oh, yes. <laughs> yes, that's a huge thing. I, I know a lot of people have given testimonies about how, you know, they, they like being in control. But with God, he, you have to give him control, you know. Mm-hmm. And it's very interesting that you said sometimes you feel afraid sometimes, especially, you know, unworthy. Um, because, you know, I felt that. You know, I'm human. I, I, I felt times like that where you almost feel afraid of the mercy and love of God, if that even makes sense. Yeah. Um, it's something that you people will probably relate to more than I can necessarily explain it. But thankfully, you can trust God. So anyone who is feeling lonely, know that God loves you no matter what, no matter what you've done, no matter what you keep messing up in, um, no matter how many times you've messed up, God still loves you. He still wants relationship with you. And he is still there for you to turn to him. Yeah, I agree. And actually, some of the things that we always are hearing over and over almost sound like a broken record. And I think sometimes mm-hmm. um, some young people can kind of like close their ears because they're like, yeah, 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 I've yeah. heard it before. But here's the thing is we keep repeating it and the elders keep repeating it. Preachers keep repeating it. Pastors keep repeating mm-hmm. it because it works, mm-hmm. because it's true. Those basics are there for a reason because that's the foundation. When they say you have to read your Bible, it's because that's the Word of God. That's how you have chains broken. When when they say you have to pray, that's because that's communication. You Mm -hmm. need to talk to Him. When they say you need to spend time with Him alone, that's because you Mm -hmm. need to build that relationship. And when they say you're not alone because He's there, that's because he's everywhere. And so it's like, I understand it sounds so cliche and we hear it a lot, but it's for good reason. Yes. Yes. Don't let what you label as a cliche or what you convince yourself to be a cliche, keep you from getting your answer and getting your breakthrough because it's truth. Before it was a cliche, it was truth and truth does not change. That's really good. As we come to close, I really wanted to hear your thoughts of what do you think are three crucial steps a young Christian should take to strengthen their faith in God? Mm, That's a really good question. There's so much, but to narrow it down to just, you know, three steps that someone would be one, submission. Submission also does mean obedience. So submit yourself to God, to the Word of God, and when you submit yourself to God, everything else will fall into place. Include communion with God, which would be the second step to nurture your relationship with God. Commune with Him. Pray. Read your Bible. The more you spend time with them, the more you get to know them, and the more you trust them. So if you want to strengthen your faith in God, you have to know Him, and you have to trust Him. 
and you do that by communing with him. And I would say the third step would be action, to take action on what he tells you to do and what you know is right. Mm-hmm. So don't just be a hearer of the word, be a doer of the word, because the more you trust God and he tells you to do something and you do it and he proves himself to be faithful, the more faith you have, the more your faith is strengthened. So those would be the three summarized steps, submission, communion with God, and taking action on his word. I love it. Janessa thank you so much for sharing your heart and being on the podcast. This was an absolute blessing and a pleasure. Well, thank you so much for having me, JC. Honestly, from the bottom of my heart, I feel so honored to be here. We had such a good conversation. It was really wonderful being able to discuss these things with you and hearing your perspective and your experiences with the topics that we were talking about tonight. And I just really pray that, you know, this can encourage and strengthen someone listening. Yeah. Amen to that. (laughs) Amen. If you found this episode inspiring or helpful, would you take a screenshot of it and share it on your Instagram stories, tagging me at Hello Awesome Ministries? It will encourage me that you were blessed. Also, don't forget to leave a review and subscribe so you can tune into future episodes. For more information about all things Hello Awesome, head to helloawesomeshop.com. Until next time, keep your chin up, beautiful.